church, stand to your feet right where you are. Let's do our confession. Hold your Bibles up or whatever you use to access God's word and repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Eben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you that it's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Holy Spirit, breathe on what is said so that our lives can go to new levels, so revelation can be understood. Therefore, manifestation can be expected. And so I thank you for God's people today. And I pray that they're going to hear with their ears and receive with their hearts. And I declare that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, if you are physically in attendance, as you can see, I am not physically there. But you know, the word does not have uh, a reference point when it's going forth. And so I wanted to share a message with you today that I believe is going to prepare you for promotion. I believe it's going to prepare you for the next level. I even believe that this word is going to prepare you for the year 2024. So let's go over what I'm going to call the sermon response guidelines before we start. Now, you all already know where I'm going with this, but... I want you to participate in the message as if I was there. So if I ask you to say amen, what are you going to say? Okay, now everybody didn't do it. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, he saw you didn't do it. Okay, let's try it again. If I ask you to say amen, I need you to say Amen. amen. That's good. So today's message title is going to be being eyed by the enemy, being eyed by the enemy. Very different topic. You may not know where I'm going with this, but the purpose of the message today is to help you and I understand how to respond, listen, when the enemy uses others to persecute you or he uses others to become jealous of you. So I'm gonna give you a take-home statement right here up front And then I'm going to come back and refer to it. Here's a take-home statement. How you behave determines if you are raised. I'm going to say that again. How you are, how you behave determines if you are raised. And so our foundational story is coming from the life of Saul and David. You know, Saul became the king uh, to Israel because the people wanted to be ruled by an earthly king instead of being ruled by the king of kings. 
And this mindset was probably adopted when they came out of Egypt. You have to understand, last week I referenced it. Sometimes the residue of the world may stick with us when we come into Christianity. Well, the residue of how the world did things was on the children of Israel. And they kept asking Samuel, who at the time was the prophet, they kept saying, hey, we want a king to rule us just like the Egyptians had. So back in those days, Pharaoh was the king when the children of Israel were in bondage. And so they've been seeing all these different uh, nations have kings. And so they kept asking for a king. So finally, God gave in to what they wanted. And he appointed a young man named Saul. Saul became the king uh, over Israel. And here's the thing, because Saul didn't fully obey God's instructions on a couple of occasions, God fired Saul and he decided to play, replace Saul with David. Don't think you have God cornered. If you don't want to cooperate with him, God will find your replacement and watch this and let the replacement, you will serve the replacement when he replaces you. Praise the Lord. So we're going to pick up the story where David had just killed Goliath. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 18. They're going to put it on the board. And it says this in verse 5. And David went out wherever Saul sent him. Watch what it says here. This is very important. And David behaved himself wisely. Wow. He behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So if you notice, Saul uh, pretty much gave David oversight uh, to about a thousand men of war. But I believe one of the reasons he did that is because David behaved himself wisely. And we're going to read later on uh, that Saul saw David behaved himself wisely. And some of you, you will miss promotion if whoever needs to promote you doesn't think you're going to behave wisely. Amen. So it goes on to say, in verse 6, and it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women came out of all the cities of Israel and they were singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy and with instruments of music. I mean, these women were pretty much having a praise party. And verse 7 says, and the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, watch this though, and David his ten thousands. And the Bible says in verse 8 that Saul was very angry. And the saying that these women were singing displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands. And to me, they've ascribed yet just thousands. But what can he have more but the kingdom? Okay, we're running into a problem now. Watch verse 9, which is the center of our lesson today. It says, and Saul eyed David from that day forward. Wow. Did you hear that, church? Saul eyed David until that day forward. Now, when you look that word eyed up, it means to watch with jealousy. So let's read that. Verse 9 says, and Saul watched with jealousy David from that day forward. Wow. 
And then verse 10 says, and it came to pass on Tamar that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And let me just clear that up because evil does not come from God. You may say, well, pastor, uh, Satan is evil and he came from God. Well, you all have heard me say this before, that God did not create Satan. God created Lucifer. Lucifer was a cherubim. He was a, a an angelic person who God had set up to watch this, to provide worship to him and worship to heaven. And what happened is one day Lucifer saw the worship that God was getting and somewhere in his heart decided, you know what? I want that. And the Bible says, he said in his heart, I'm going to be like the most high. And so God kicked him out. And once he got kicked out and once he sinned against God, he became Satan. And he has many names in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I mean, he's called the dragon. He's called, I call him Slewfoot. But I mean, he's got so many names, right? Well, evil doesn't come from God. I'm just going to read this real quick and then we're going to keep going. Because if you don't know that evil doesn't come from God, you won't be open to open your whole heart up to God. That's why some people don't speak in tongues because they say, well, I don't know what I'm going to get. But the Bible says if you ask God for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you a snake. He's not going to give you a rock. He's not going to give you a serpent. He's going to give you that. Well, listen to James chapter 1 verse 13 in the King James. It says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with what? With what church? It says with evil. Neither can God tempt any man with evil. But every man is tempted with evil. I'm going to add that because that's what it says. When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So listen. The moment Saul allowed jealousy to enter his heart, evil began to flow through his heart. I don't know if you got that, but I'm going to rewind that one because some of you all are on the verge of being jealous. And my thing to you today is, listen, when you know who you are and when you know what God has given you, you have no need to be jealous. And so from the moment Saul allowed jealousy to enter his heart, evil began to flow through his heart. So let's continue to read verse 10. It says, and David played with his hands, the harp, as other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. A javelin is a big spear. Verse 11. And Saul threw the javelin. He cast it and he said, I will smite David even to the wall. Wow. Watch what happened. And David avoided out of his presence twice. Notice that David did not grab the javelin and throw it back. Verse 12. And Saul was afraid of David, watch this church, because the Lord was with David and the Lord had departed from Saul, verse 13. Therefore, Saul removed him from him. In other words, Saul said, you know what? I really don't want, I want David to to help me, but I, I don't want him too close around me. And so the Bible says he removed him from him. Because that's what jealous people do. That's what intimidated people do. They try to push you aside. They try to put you out. They try to get rid of you. And the Bible says he made him captain over a thousand and he went out and came in before the people. Watch verse 14, church, and then we're going to get into what I want to talk about. It says, and David behaved himself wisely. Watch this. In all of his ways. I want you to notice that we have read twice 
that David behaved himself wisely. And in this, it says, in all of his ways, and the Lord was with him. And watch verse 15. I love this. It says, wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. And that's the whole point that I'm trying to get you to see today. That when the enemy eyes you, you have to be more wiser and you can't let the enemy push you out of your integrity. Watch now, 1 Samuel 18, 29, last verse here. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David and Saul became David's enemy continually. Wow, what a story. As you can see, Saul became jealous of David to the point where he tried to kill him on a couple of occasions. So let's look at some principles that you and I can apply when we're being eyed by the enemy. And let me just say this, being eyed by the enemy is actually a good thing. You may, it may not feel good, it may not seem good, it may not uh, 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 relate to being good. But see, the only reason God is allowing the enemy to eye you is because God's ready to promote you. And you can't get promoted. Listen, your faith can't be promoted until it has been tested. Look at now, point number one. Here's point number one in our lesson today. When being eyed, you will be tried. When being eyed, you will be tried. Believe it or not, church, let's, guess what? You and I have an enemy, and that enemy is called Satan. He didn't like Jesus, and he ain't gonna like you. So I don't care if you are living right as a Christian or not living right as a Christian, because some people say, the moment I, I'm talking to somebody right now, the moment I start coming to church, seemed like my, my life got harder. Well, guess what? You have an enemy. First Peter chapter five, verse eight says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, look at your neighbor and say, he said, your adversary, come on, God and tell him he said, your adversary, he says, your adversary, watch this, the devil, not the person, the devil as a roaring lion, he's walking around seeking whom he may devour. And then it tells us how to deal with the devil. He says, you got to resist him steadfast with your faith. So here's the problem. Many times, watch this church, we make the mistake of making the people that the enemy is using the enemy when they're mere puppets that he is using. Okay, so let's, let's take this. This is a glove. And, uh, most people don't realize that, uh, the devil uses people just like God does. And normally people are just like this glove. Nothing. But, the moment we allow a spirit, whether that be God's spirit or the devil, to use us, guess what? That glove or our heart becomes alive. And so what happens is, what we do, we mistakenly make the people that the enemy is using. He's in there, he's using them. We mistake them as the people when it's really the enemy inside using them. Say amen to that. Ephesians 6, 12 says, for we wrestle not, not a lot, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We wrestle against the powers. We wrestle against the rulers of darkness of this world. We are wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then that's why it says in order for you to manage that, he says you got to take on the whole armor of God. And a lot of Christians are spiritually naked. 
They do not have on the whole armor of God. That I hear people say, well, when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I put on my armor. Why'd you take it off? You needed it in your sleep. That's why your dreams are crazy. That's why, that's why you wake up in a crazy mood. You, because you took it off. No, you need to sleep with that armor all. Praise the Lord. Listen to the New Living Translation of Ephesians chapter 6. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. We are not, look, we're fighting against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. I love the living Bible. Listen to this. He says, for we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood. But against persons, listen church, without bodies, the evil rulers of this unseen world. So that's what we're dealing with. We're not dealing with the people who may be persecuting us, the people who may be jealous of us, the people who are treating us wrong. That's not who we're dealing with. We're dealing with the spirit that is using them. And church, if we don't understand this, we will wrestle with people in the flesh Instead of taking authority of the spirits that are using them. Everybody say this with me. Say, when you are being I, you will be tried. Absolutely. And here's the thing. It's not your flesh that's being tried. It's your faith. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way. Watch what he says to do. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Verse 3. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. See, anytime you and I face opposition, when we face people who are not treating us correctly, it's our faith that's being tested. And and you say, well, 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 why our faith? Because it says your faith will develop endurance or the King James says patience. So why do you need patience? Because see, listen, when you're walking in faith, when you're walking and waiting in faith, you have to wait on God to do his part when you've done yours. And that's what patience comes in. And once you've learned how to walk it out and you wait on God to do it, that's when it says you will be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That, listen, when the next trial comes up, it's no big deal. I saw God deliver. That's what David said. David said, I saw him deliver me from a bear. I saw him deliver me from a lion. And he says, what's this Philistine that's in front of me? And see, when you when you have history with God, then you already know that he's going to work this thing out. You may not know how, you may not know when, you may not know the way, but you know one thing, that the God that you serve and you have history with is going to work this thing out for your good. And church, when you know that, let's guess what? You can have patience and watch him work it out. Because while he's working it out, he's trying to work something out in us and something in us. Say amen to that. So here's a take-home statement that I want to give you. It's my faith that's being tried when I'm being eyed. See, it's all about faith, church. The Bible says all the promises of God are received by faith. It's, 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 it's the faith that's really the thing. And here is why it's our faith. Because that's the thing that helps us live out our Christian experience. The Bible says... We please God when we walk by faith, when we live by faith. And the biggest mistake that you and I make 
is when we approach and engage in a spiritual battle, watch this, with carnal weapons. Second Corinthians 10, 3 is clear. It says, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. Why? Because the weapons that we fight with, they're not carnal. They're not natural, but they're mighty through God to pull the strongholds down. I love the New Living Translation of 2 Corinthians 10. It says, we are human. Look at your neighbor and say, you are human. Now look at your other neighbor and tell him, I know that. He says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So here's the, the uh, perspective we should have. Here's the perspective. When you understand that it's a spiritual battle, you know that it's your faith being tried. But when you think it's a natural battle, listen to me, church, you will fight with your flesh and you will fight from your flesh. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to explain something that I believe right here will help a lot of people. See, just like God uses his Holy Spirit in us to communicate to our spirit the things that he wants us to do, the devil uses our flesh in the same way. In other words, God's spirit speaks to our spirit, communicates with our spirit to get us to do things right. Well, the devil uses the flesh just like God uses the spirit. So here's how the enemy does it. He sends thoughts to our minds or he sends feelings to us in the flesh realm or in the sense realm. See, look. Seeing, eating, or uh, breathing, or all the senses, feeling, smelling, touching, those senses are good until they are influenced by the enemy. Amen. And so he sends thoughts to our minds or our feelings in our sense realm. And listen, if our minds are not renewed to think the way God thinks, then those thoughts that he sends and those senses that he sends automatically, watch this church, automatically feed our flesh. And then from there, our actions and our attitude will feed the physical and lead us into sin or defeat. And so most people don't know that. So what happens is. We're going through something. We're being, you know, somebody's being jealous. And see, some of you all, once this message happens, I'm praying that God opens your eyes to the people that are around you that are jealous. You can't even give them some positive things about your life without them coming back saying something about it. Girl, I'm getting ready to get a new car. You sure you can afford that? You told me you've been struggling. They could have at least said, hey, girl, what kind of car are you getting? Let's go test drive it together. But see, you don't know they're jealous because one of the most dangerous things you can have, can, can experience is when someone is, looks like they're openly for you, but inwardly and secretly they are jealous of you. Wow. So the enemy uses the physical to feed us. And this is where we flunk the faith test. 
and our actions and our attitude, listen church, begin to display what I call non-wise and in some cases ungodly choices. So notice in two places it said that David behaved himself wisely. It said it in 1 Samuel 18, 5. And David went out and Saul sent him and he behaved himself wisely. It also says it in 1 Samuel 18, 14. That David behaved himself wisely in all of his ways. And the Lord was with him. And let me just say this. When you behave yourself wisely, the Lord is with you. When you step outside of acting wise, God's just standing there and he just waits for you. Amen. And I believe how we behave determines how we're raised. Everybody say, how we behave determines how we're raised. In other words, our actions can promote us or demote us. And many times as we're going through things and we let how we feel about what people are doing to us We let it disrupt our faith. And so what happens is we get in the flesh. And unfortunately, you will never defeat the devil in the flesh. The flesh is home court advantage for the devil. And if he can drag you into his territory, he knows you're doomed. Now, I've never given my Starbucks story in an empty room. But I'm going to do it today. And here's why. I, I, I had my membership class last week. And... And um, I was telling them some outreach things that we've done. And I explained how we did uh, we did feed Tarrant. And then when the uh, COVID was over, we changed that to win Tarrant. And I told them that we created these door hangers and it had a $5 Starbucks gift card on them. And I said, well, how many in here heard my Starbucks story? And nobody raised their hand. I said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I said, I'll tell the story again one day. I said, but just for the sake of time, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tell you what happened. I said, I I threw some coffee on somebody. And you should have saw their face like, oh, my God. And uh, and so it, so I said, okay, but but I'll tell the story one day. And so when I went back to start doing my lesson, one of the members, the new member said, were you a pastor when you did that? <laughs> so here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to help all the new members real quick. So years ago, I think I was in year number three of pastoring. I had a habit of getting up in the morning, taking my kids to school. Then I would go to Starbucks and get me the same drink, which was a tall caramel macchiato with extra, extra, extra caramel in it because I liked a lot of caramel. And so I did that every day. And then I would get me some breakfast from IHOP. I would go home and eat and then I would study. Every day I did that to the point where the Starbucks people knew me because I went to the same Starbucks. And so I'll go to the Starbucks to the point where they didn't even have to ask me my name to put on the cup. Oh, Evan's here. Good to see you, Evan. Good to see you too. So this particular day I walk into Starbucks and I notice the guy who was fixing the coffee. I didn't recognize him. Maybe it's a new employee. I don't know. But no big deal, because I'm going to order the same thing. What am I going to order, church? A tall caramel macchiato with what? Extra, extra, extra caramel in it. And so that's what they did. This new guy fixes up the coffee, and uh, he puts it up, and he says, Eben, tall caramel macchiato with extra, extra caramel. I go up to the counter, and I'm not leaving because... 
$4 almost a cup for some coffee. Oh, no, we got to taste that coffee. We got to make sure all that caramel is in that coffee. So I picked it up and I tasted it. And it just needed just a little, not a lot, just a little more caramel in it. So I politely said, excuse me, could you please give me some more caramel? And he says, no, you need to get back in line and pay for some more. I thought he was joking, so I started laughing. I was like, <laughs> and so I left my cup up there. Well, Sally came and got her her coffee. Ed came and got his coffee. Uh, uh, Brett came and got his coffee. Pastor Evans' coffee still sitting up there. I said, well, maybe he didn't hear me. Now, see, remember I said David behaved himself wisely. Well, let's see if that's what I did. I went back up there. I said, excuse me, sir. Did you hear me ask for some more caramel? Then he loud talks me. He says, yes. And I told you to get back in line if you wanted some more. Now, I walked in there in the spirit, happy as I could be. But there are two other levels you can function from other than the spirit. That's the flesh. And then that's the devil level. So I got in the flesh. I pull out my receipt. I said, excuse me, sir. I paid for extra caramel. And I need you to give me some extra caramel. And he said to me, I don't care. You need to get back in line and pay for some more and I'll give you some more caramel. As soon as he said that, remember I told you God uses his spirit in you to talk to you. And the devil uses your flesh through thoughts in your unrenewed mind to talk to you. The moment he said that, the devil said to me, Evan, throw that coffee on that man. And then Jesus said, Evan, go to the car. Go to the car right now. Well, I'm talking to two people at one time. I said, Jesus, I can't go to the car right now. I'll be there in a minute. He said, no, Evan, you need to go to the car. I said, no, Jesus, I I need to take care of this. Because, see, the devil challenged me to throw the coffee on the man. And finally, Jesus was like, Evan, go to the car. I said, Jesus, go to the car. I'll be there in a minute. I done sent Jesus to go to the car. All of this is happening in milliseconds. I mean, and next thing you know, he's, when the man said, you get back in line to pay for some more coffee. I grabbed the cup and all of a sudden I just found myself throwing the coffee. And it wasn't until I got the coffee about right here. And when I saw the coffee coming out the cup is when I realized I'm a pastor. <laughs> oh my God. And it was in slow motion because I didn't believe I was doing it. So here it is. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm a pastor. And then after I said that, it came back in real time. It splashed that guy right in the chest. Boosh! I mean, his chest was smoking like some of y'all be smoking in these cigar bars. I mean, it was just smoking everywhere. He was smoking and he was shocked and I was too. He was like, sir, you didn't have to do that. I said, well, you didn't have to. Now, see, now I'm, I'm, I'm past the flesh. I have now reached devil level. I said, so you didn't have to treat me like that. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to have to ask the Lord to forgive me. So I need to finish. So what is he missing? He's missing the cup. I threw the cup at the man, threw it right in his head, right there. Right, right. Well, see, I didn't behave myself wisely. And that's what the devil wants you to do in this season. 
See, some of y'all, you said it today. I'm fed up with so-and-so. I'm, you wait. I'm just, wait till I get back in the office on Monday. I'm going to say this to so-and-so. I'm going to, no, 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 no. God's trying to interrupt your carnal plan because when you see, here's point number two now. When you are eyed, you need to keep your eye on the prize. See, the devil wants us to go off. He wants us to get into his territory. He wants us to get into the flesh. Because listen, in the flesh dwells no good thing. He knows that if he if he gets you on the flesh of home court advantage, he's got you. Philippians chapter 3 tells us in verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing that I'm doing, I'm forgetting those things which are behind, and I'm reaching for those things which are before. Watch verse 14. He says, I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize. The message translation of Philippians 3.13 says, Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But watch what he says. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning onward to Jesus. Watch what he says. And I'm off and I'm running and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focus on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. And in order for you to get what God has for us, for you, you have to stick with the gold, you have to keep your eye on the prize. And I don't know about you, but I want everything God has for me. And I don't want my behavior to forfeit or delay my blessings. Did you hear what I said? I said, I don't want my behavior to forfeit or delay my blessings. David knew that God had already anointed him to be king. You know, David had a, an opportunity to, he, he could either act up or act up. Oh, y'all didn't get that, did you? I said, David had a chance to act up. That means act bad or act up. In other words, acting like God. And when you are anointed, look at your neighbor and say, I'm anointed. Come on, look at him again and say, I'm anointed. See, when you are anointed, you know that there will be an appointment. See, you can't take my place. Why? Because there's only one of me. God's anointed me to be who I am. And when you're anointed, you know that. Look at your neighbor again and tell him, I am anointed. Amen. The anointing makes the difference. See, you're not just gifted. I'm talking to somebody right now. You are anointed. Because if you're just gifted, you're competing with everybody's gift. But you're not just gifted. You are, come on church, you are anointed. You're not just talented. You are, come on church, you are anointed. You're not just educated. Everybody's educated. Everybody's getting a PhD, a ERD, and whatever else D you want to have. No, no, no. You're not just educated. You are anointed. You're not just a regular entrepreneur who has a business. You are an anointed entrepreneur. Somebody say amen this morning. So why is it? Watch this, sir. This is good. Because see, when you're anointed, your attitude is different. Because see, here's the thing about being an anointed. You can't beat me at being me. Why is it that they might drive a better car than you? And they might have a better house than you. And they might even have a better job than you. But what they don't have is a better life than you. Oh, y'all didn't get that, did you? Didn't you didn't get that? See, I ain't worried about what you driving in, what you living in, and what you got. Because look, you can have all of that. But Jesus said, a man's life doesn't consist of the things which he have. Why? Because you can have all that stuff and be miserable. But what I got, you can't take away from me. Glory be to God. 
You and I are anointed. And because we are anointed, the anointing makes the difference. We make the anointing sometimes about church. When God has anointed you to live your life that way. See, our lights as believers should shine at home. Before they shine in the streets. Oh, y'all didn't get that, did you? Yeah. Look at your name and say, he's coming down your road. He's coming down your road. That's why right. Row, 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 row. I'm coming. Row, row, row your boat. I'm coming. Watch this. Sometimes our lights outside of our house, our light shining, seems more important to us than our lights shining in our house. Listen to the New Living Translation of Psalm 101, verses 2 through 7. This is what David said. Remember, David learned to behave himself wisely. He says, I will be careful to live a blameless life. When, you, when he says to God, will you come and help me? Watch what he says. He says, I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. See, your light shining doesn't start outside of the house. It starts in the house. And when you know you're anointed, you, you don't do things that might uh, contaminate your anointing. Watch verse 3. He says, I will refuse to look at anything vile or vulgar. Man, listen. When you know you're a king, pornography won't get you. You can't even touch that lady. You can't, oh, women in it now too. You can't even touch that man. I know I'm stepping on some toes right about now, but don't nobody know between, uh, other than you and Safari. Glory be to God. He says, I refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. I will search for, listen to this. This is the kind of people you should hang out with. I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house and liars will not stay in my presence. And here's the problem. Many of us contaminate the anointing. Because of the type of people we choose to be around. You know they're a liar. You know they're lying. And can I tell you a secret? All these lies they're telling you about people, they're telling these lies about you too. Amen. Listen to the New Living Translation of Colossians 4. We almost finished here. Verse 5. He says, live wisely. Everybody say live wisely. Live wisely among who are not believers. And make the most of every opportunity. Watch verse 6. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Which brings me to my last point, And that is, behave right so God can bless you right. Behave right so God can bless you right. The NIV version of Psalm 128.1, watch what it says, says this. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, watch this, who walk in his ways. And look what happens. He says, you will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings, say blessings, blessings and prosperity 
will be yours. When will they be mine? When I decide, you know what? I'm going to live God's way. I am going to respond to these people God's way. Proverbs 16 verse 20. It says, he that handleth a matter wisely, that's what David did, shall find good. And whoso trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Listen to the, the NIV version of Proverbs 16, 20. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Listen to the NIV version of James chapter 1, verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. Doing what? Doing the word. He will be blessed in what he does. Look at now, Luke eleven twenty eight. as we close. Jesus says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God in the bed. Notice who, what Jesus said. The people who hear it and obey it are the ones that are blessed. So what do we do when we are being eyed by the enemy? We behave so we can be raised. And I'm telling you prophetically. There are a lot of you who are on the verge of promotion, but you're about to let your flesh ruin all the hard work that you've gotten this far by. And let me say this. I've been saying this to my staff. This is not on my notes. It's just been in my spirit for probably three months. I've been saying this over and over and over again. I said it to my staff. I said, listen, if you have some things in your life that God is really trying to get you to deal with. Let's say pornography. Let's talk about that. Let's say he's been dealing with you to, to stop, you know, and for some reason, because see, there are three P's that God will deal with you on. He will deal with you first privately. That's when the word comes in. That's when the Holy Spirit comes in. And so he deals with you privately. And so there's been a conviction, man, I need to stop. I need to stop. I need to stop. But then if you consistently ignore that private nudge, that private correction, that private adjustment that God's trying to give you, the next P now is he deals with you personally. You say, well, what's that? That's when God will use somebody in your sphere to, to say something or to, to point something out or they'll say something and you know that it's God dealing with you. In other words, now he's dealing with you on a personal level from somewhere, some somebody in your little circle. Uh, it'll come outside of you now. So the private was coming from within. Now that personal is coming from without. But let me tell you what I know, church. If you do not deal with something that God is dealing with you on privately, Privately, and then he's trying to deal with you personally. The next step is it's going to have to deal with you publicly. And the problem with that is now the thing that he was trying to help you with and deliver you from. Now it's public. And here is what about public. There are levels of public. Levels of public. And the last thing you need is now your sin, your struggle it's public when it could have stayed on the private level. And there are some of you in the room, God's dealing with you on some things. Listen, it don't need to go public. And see, I'm talking to somebody now. Some of this stuff that you, let's talk about the pornography piece or let's talk about uh, uh, the cheating piece. Because, you know, people still cheat these days. Uh, women cheat, men cheat, and, you know. And so uh, you're on the verge of doing it. 
or you have already dabbled in it, let me tell you this, today's your, your, your this is now uh, your personal warning right here. This is it. Pastor Evan is saying, yeah, have you seen that movie, Get Out? Get out. Listen, I am not a fan of scary movies, but boy, when I watched that movie, I would have got out of that house a long time ago. Well, here's your, here's your personal warning. Get out. So we must behave so we can be raised. Watch what happens. The Bible says in James 4, 6, I'm going to show you how to do that. He says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then he says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. You cannot resist the devil until you submit to God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus said, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. So while you're being eyed by the enemy, here's your defense. You're going to pray for those who, uh, the Bible says, love your enemies. That's the first thing you're going to do. And then he says, bless them that curse you. And then he says, do good to them that hurt you. And then he says, pray for those who despitefully use you. You say, Pastor Evan, I can't bless them right now. Well, you can't bless them with praying for them. Because it's hard to hate somebody you're praying for. And I believe this morning, God's trying to prepare us. Because some of you all are in the midst of the enemy eyeing you. They are watching you with jealousy. And I'm saying to you, don't flunk the test. What is God saying to you through this message? With every head bowed and every eye closed, here's my question. What is God saying to you today through the message? Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus That even though I'm like Paul, I'm absent from the body, but I'm present right now in spirit. I pray that this message has reached some people who are in the midst of being tried. Their faith is being tested. And I hear you saying, you can pass, you can pass, you can pass. Why? God, I hear you saying, because we can do all things through Christ. And I pray today that whatever test any person is being tested with that they're going to come out as pure gold and Lord the blessings of the Lord that make them rich and add no sorrow is going to flood their lives and Lord I thank you for doors of promotion being open doors of opportunity being open and doors of increase being open for your people and that father 2024 we will be in position to receive everything you have for us in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you today. Come on, y'all give it up.